Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back, Julie. I, I believe you are unmuted. We have, uh, Julie, we failed our podcast listeners on our last Uh-oh. show. We failed them. You know what we forgot to do? What? Tell them. <laughs> yes. You read my mind. Say it out loud. <laughs> we did. We totally failed to remind them. Expired Palooza. Game on. And I'm it's getting, time. Not right, too late. Right. Exactly. So coaching clients. Uh, you know, those of you who are in one of our coaching programs, and those of you who are just podcast listeners, it is expired Palooza. It's on. It started last day of last month and obviously spreads into this month. Make sure you're calling your expireds. I have agents who I've been hearing uh, incredible success stories from um, just for the past three days. Been looking forward to this podcast so I can remind all of you to do it. Brand new prospectors are setting appointments and taking listings. Do not be lazy. We have talked endlessly about expired listings on this podcast. They are going to be a tremendous opportunity for all of you in your marketplaces going forward. Absolutely positively want to start calling the expireds. So I'll give you listeners an example. Um, I have a gal who ebbs and flows with her prospecting. So this time she decided to actually start prospecting. So she made a total of only 16 contacts. Lena Jacobs is who I'm talking about. And she set uh, and she took her. She said it, she thinks it took her about three hours. Kind of doubt if it took that long, but that's okay. And she said in that uh, from those contacts, she set six listing appointments. Um, I asked her just for her own. She didn't, you know. I wanted to know who else was calling. Nobody was calling. So she made all these contacts. She didn't call them particularly early in the morning. Um, she did call them the day they expired over the last three days and uh, was not competing with a bunch of other agents calling. She did go uh, – you know, she's gone on three of the appointments so far, uh, and she said that by the time she gets to the house, there's you know, essentially garbage cans full of crap that was left at the seller's door because the other agents are too lazy to call, because they're too afraid to call, because they're not willing to do the real work, because they're not willing to do what they don't want to do and they don't want to do at the high, highest level, so they're dropping off crap, and she's the only one that's calling. And, uh, you know, I think that all of you are going to experience the same thing as we sort of continue on this path in our society of looking for the easy button. The hard button was what she had to do because she had to essentially face rejection. She had to learn how to uh, make a prospecting call. Oh, my gosh, I just said the word. I didn't say lead generation. I said prospecting. I used the real word. I didn't use the real – yeah, I mean, I didn't use the real estate PC term, right? Nobody likes prospecting, so we have to cushion it and say lead generation. But look, she made the prospecting call. She need, learned the script. She learned the objection handlers. And listeners, not even that well did she learn them. And she almost had a 50% contact to appointment ratio. And I'm sure she'll probably list probably 70 or 80% of these for three hours of the work. That's a pretty tremendous uh, result, and no referral fees, didn't have to buy the leads, didn't have to you know, drop, uh, drop a bunch of crap off at the seller's door. She just picked up the phone, and she made the call. 
that's the key to success in a market like this, the market that's becoming, uh, you know, it's going to be more of a buyer's market. I'm sorry, seller's market. Oh, I had it right the first time. A buyer's market. There's going to be more expireds, more agents that don't know what to do, more agents that don't know how to get their houses priced in the first place, so they're going to be expiring. So expired Palooza, it's on. <laughs> Julie, anything you'd like to say? You want to get yes. right to our topic. Well put. Well, you know, I do like to harass them routinely on the uh, premiere coaching call that we do daily live and today's topic will indeed be about expireds because I've got two or three emails from those um, coaching clients teed up so we're actually covering the same topic in today's call but I do like to harass them and remind them look I mean what you pointed out is very salient they didn't have to buy the lead there's no referral fee three hours worth of work I mean to not do that you're basically saying, oh, no, just help yourselves. I know you've got a house for sale, and I claim I sell real estate for a living, but nope, I'm not going to bother calling you. Nope, I'd rather go do something that's, you know, maybe less skilled and less, you know, that kind of thing, like an endless supply of just listed or just sold calls, which some of them get stuck on because you can get a lot of contacts in. But unless you're setting appointments, which makes sense because those are just random calls, it couldn't be much colder than that. You know, you're just saying, nope, that's okay, help yourselves. And I really think that that's a form of malpractice in our business, to know how to help somebody and then to blow off that possibility. I don't know. Just had to grind them a little bit on that one. But on a similar well, topic from the Facebook page, yeah. I've got a for sale by owner um, kind of testimonial to this fact from uh, coaching member Desline Dowdy, who writes, hope this encourages somebody. The most recent listing I just closed was actually a for sale by owner, a.k.a. unrepresented seller, whom I had contacted probably six months prior to actually taking the listing, but continued to follow up with until finally he was ready to list. The house went under agreement in one day at the full asking price of 450000 closed within 30 days with a cash buyer, no contingencies. I mean, that's a pretty textbook awesome deal. Uh, our side uh, of the commission was 13500 um, and then goes on to talk about how it's going to be even more next time because uh, Desleen's getting a broker's license. <laughs> so lots of great things happening for Desleen Dowdy there. But the point of her post was how she closed it. Don't give up on those for sale by owners. They are very lucrative opportunity for all of us. And I, I wanted to remind everyone, it's not just the initial contact. Some of them, you know, expired sometimes want to take a break, and that's okay. They never expected their home to expire Sometimes for sale by owners just aren't quite ready to list yet. So follow up, relentless follow up, you know, furiously fast follow up. That is your job. And another story from a coaching client last week who ended up not taking the listing and beating herself up with a great coaching lesson, as it turns out, which is be the one who follows up because, you know, had thought, well, you know, I'll just give them a break for a while. And two weeks later, even though they said it would be two months, somebody else got the listing. So, be the one who follows up. It makes a huge amount of difference. And then we'll talk about that more in Premier Coaching today. But back to our topic du jour, fourth quarter massive action plan. I think you named it something else, but that's what my notes say. And I'm ready when you are. Well, so let's talk about this. We know it's not fourth quarter yet, guys. We know we got another month. We know how quarters work in the you know fiscal year. <laughs> got it. <laughs> but why are we telling you about Stop this? Stop emailing. Because <laughs> we get it. Well, here, here's the thought for all of you. And this is something that's a little bit weird to think about, especially if you're new to, uh, let's be honest, owning your own business. If you're new to the entrepreneurial world, or frankly, even if you've been in the business for, a, you know, the real estate industry for a long period of time, I'm going to share with you one of the biggest uh, success secrets that someone shared with Julie and I when we were in our early 20s. Um, and here it is: your 
2019 already has officially started. And this is something, again, that we didn't get until probably we've been in the business for two or three years. Your new year starts, in essence, a quarter-ish before uh, in the previous year. So September for us and when we sold real estate always marked the start, essentially, of the new year mentally. Now, here's what we mean by that. Remember this – okay, so I, I, we're going to get into the weeds here in a second, but here's the mindset. We're coming up into a time of year where you're going to have um, everyone telling you we're just going to wait until next year, which means your contact to actual you know, contract, contact to contract – you got to write that down, Julie. That's pretty good. I am. Your contact to contract actually is going to be protracted this year by um, and every year this time of year to, until months. Okay, so you make a contact today with somebody. You probably still can get them listed this year and probably still can get them closed this year. But in about another probably – guys, listen to what your coach is telling you. As soon as September starts to think, you know, starts to feel like October, you're going to hear everybody start to say, I'm going to hold off. The buyers are going to be the first to drop off, and they're going to drop off quickly. And they, a lot of those buyers, frankly, for different economic reasons, probably will not come back in the market in the spring. If you build a buyer-based business, you're going to have some severe cash flow problems in 2019, more so than you did this year, I promise you. Oh, by the way. Julie, please also write this down. Um, I'm not at my mm-hmm. desk where I write this down myself. We need to do a series of podcasts because I had probably over the last, I mean, you know, two weeks, I probably had 50 emails about choosing your broker, when's it the right time yep. to change brokerages, should I start a brokerage, you know, what are all these different specifics about? Because at this time of year, people are trying to sort of like take a mental step back and say, well, how do I need to position myself for next year? And the brokerage conversation always comes up. So we're going to do a series of podcasts on that particular topic. And what we've envisioned is are the topics are going to be um, very obviously practical and tactical, but then we're also going to start interviewing people that own or executives at some of these big brands. And we're going to let them pitch you guys on our podcast why they should, uh, why you should join their particular brokerage. That's the idea. So let's see where we go with that idea. But in the, in, at the very least, what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys like a survey that, that you know, essentially will uh, take you through the mental process of essentially choosing your brokerage. And, and I'll give you a little window into the future. For the most part, what most of you should have discovered by now, if not you will right now, is that your broker doesn't really determine your success or failure in the industry. Your broker's job is not to train you. Your broker's job is not to hold you accountable. Matter of fact, it's illegal for them to uh, hold you accountable. It's illegal for them because you're, you're self-employed. You're a 1099 contractor. You're not a W-2 employee. So you have this false expectation of what your broker should be providing for you. The broker's job is mostly just as a legal um, – to provide legal framework and structure for you to provide to, for you to do real estate transactions. That's the essence of it. They're, in some cases, they provide you a nice office and all the rest of it. But the bottom line is, is your success or failure in this business is not dependent on your broker. You've got to be really, really clear about that. Um, but still, in some cases, it does make sense for you to consider if you're getting into real estate, for example, or if you've gotten to the point, and this is another question, I see a variant of this all the time in my email. I have a team. I have a bunch of staff that works for me. I'm trying to decide whether or not I should start a brokerage, whether I should split off. You know, which is ironic because 
it's, you know, all these brokerages, Keller Williams is the most guilty of this. They're the ones that have been perpetuating this team model. And Julie and I were saying, what, two years ago, three years ago, when this stuff became really, really trendy, uh, you know, like say 10 years ago, social networking was trendy, and now it's been, you know, for the last three years, it's been teams are trendy. What's fascinating to me is that the, some, the Keller Williams started perpetuating this, and then the people that are leaving Keller Williams to go to other brokerages or start their own boutique brokerages are the ones that had the teams at Keller Williams. So it's almost like Keller Williams created this little world that. Uh, where the next or the natural outcome was Keller Williams losing the agent. It doesn't make any business sense to me. It never did. In any event, um, so we're going to do a series of podcasts on that particular topic, and we're going to deep dive into that over the next 90 days. But here's the thing for all of you to consider. The contacts that you make now are going to result in transactions that you make going to first quarter. So if you don't make contacts now, and it could be with expireds, and I don't care who it is. We focus on listings primarily. But if you're not making good, thorough contacts now, and you go into next year cold with not enough sales momentum, and we're going to get to our specific points here in a second. If you roll into next year, and Julie's going to give you a formula for uh, uh, yeah, essentially answering all your questions about exactly what you need to have as far as uh, number of leads and all that. This is coming your way. But if you don't have momentum going into next year, here's what happens. You waste all of first quarter and sometimes half a second quarter. of 2000, You will waste you know, all of 2019, January, February, March, and then probably April, May, June. Around June is when most of your businesses will start picking up because you didn't have momentum going into the year. That is one of the biggest secrets, if it is even a secret, that we can share with all of you is don't wait to build your momentum. Your new year has already started. Why are Julie and I ratcheting it back a month for 2018? Because we believe that there's going to be more headwinds going into next year uh, because of the essentially the economic news, that, well, as pertains to housing, not the overall economy, but as pertains to housing, there's going to be more consternation, more people you know, uh, not knowing what to do. If you guys go back and listen to the series of podcasts that we did on the ser- uh, on the uh, Great Housing Reset, uh, Reset, the Housing Reset, go back and listen to um, where we described the phases of a housing reset, and we're in phase two, moving into phase three. And in this phase, in right where we are, go back and listen to those shows. But where we are, it results in a lot of sellers and buyers, frankly, not knowing what to do. And that makes things more painful because not knowing what to do means they're not signing contracts, which means that you're going to have to officially start your new year about a month sooner, thus the beginning of this month opposed to the beginning of next month. All right. Does that make sense? So, Julie, why don't you just jump into the content and let's get through as much as this today, but don't, yes. don't fire hose them. Nope, you got it. So as we started out talking, yes, we're clear we're not actually literally in fourth quarter yet. However, after I give you some numbers here, you will feel that you are. <laughs> okay, so here's the fact. Technically, there are 118 days left this year, actual days. Now, here's where the math starts. Subtract 30 days just in Saturdays and Sundays. There are 15 weekends left. Okay, so yes, I know sometimes you're out with buyers you're doing listings on the weekends, but whether you're taking Saturday or Sunday off or some other two days per week, we're just keeping it real. We know you guys aren't working 24 hours, seven days a week, even though some of you claim that as a badge of honor. Listen to our past podcast about getting more sleep, but that's a different topic. So just subtract those Saturdays and Sundays. That'll get you back to 88 days left in the year. Now you're going to subtract seven days for the week of Christmas, seven days for New Year's, 
And yes, maybe you're focused that week, but the market won't be. So just trust us on that one. Try and motivate somebody during those two weeks. Good luck with that. So subtract those two weeks and you're now left with 74 work days. Now, some of you have vacations planned fourth quarter. You've got holiday parties planned. You've got your own stuff happening. You've got kids stuff happening. I just used weekends and the week of Christmas and New Year's to get all the way back to 74 actual work days. Now, when you look at your own calendar, you probably will realistically discover that you've got 60 to 70 real work days, not 118, just keeping it real. So after you do that, your job is to create your 90-day massive action plan or whatever you'd like to call it. Maybe you've got a 72-day massive action plan, but keep it real. So you're going to begin on, you could say today, and end on, maybe you decide that you're going to technically end your year on December 20th so that you can take those last two weeks for planning and for your holidays and whatever you need to do. But be introspective. Get your own calendar out. I was doing this this morning with our own personal and business calendar, and there's practically something going on every day, fourth quarter, between you know the book and work and podcasts and kids stuff. There's stuff going on. So be realistic about what your actual work days are. And then you're going to do some more math. Am I going too fast, Tim? I had to take a little no, break. No, I, but I, I guess so far, listeners, make sure you heard what she's saying. When you are thinking about how many actual work days you have left this year, um, you, you don't have that many work days left this year. You're going to be stunned. What you think. And what she's, te- what she's telling you to do is get out a physical calendar and be honest with yourself in the days that you're not going to be working you have control of knowing, you know, you're self-employed, so you know when you won't be working. Um, you won't be working realistically most of December. Oh, yes, I will. Okay, well, then you'll be working some days in December. Mark the days. You won't be working all of November. Well, I'll be at work during Thanksgiving week. Well, you'll be by yourself, and nobody will want to talk with you. So if you want to shuffle around, paper on your desk, and work on your logo, and you want to call that that's work opposed to doing what – okay, that's your problem. But I'm talking about work where you basically can make money, where, you can, uh, where you're doing dollar productive things. Work is where you're having conversations with folks that could result in you hearing no. All this other stuff is just busy work doesn't really count. You don't get paid for the busy work. Not even ever do you get paid for the busy work. Stop fooling yourself that you will. So the reality of it is is that the rest of this year, you we don't have, you know, 120 days left this year to earn money. When you take out the holidays and they take out the days that you're not going to be working, take out the other, you know, whatever other things happen, you're looking at weeks left to actually be dollar productive the rest of this year. Not months. Certainly not four months, not in the sense that you'll have four solid months to actually hit it out of the park. So when you're going through this, when Julie's breaking this down for you, make sure you're thinking about, you know, just doing a little, be honest with yourself. Grab a calendar, literally mark, uh, after you've checked against your kids' school schedules, the other vacations that someone, whatever else, monkey business you have going on, and then mark on your calendar the days you're going to be working the rest of this year. This is critically important because the next phase of what she's going to describe for you are what you should be doing on the days that you're going to be working to hit what specific goals. Julie? Yes, so back to even more math for you. And I know some of you guys like to avoid this so that you don't have to be accountable to it. But as Tim just said, this is perhaps one of, if not the most important thing for you to actually take action on right now. Don't procrastinate. It's not going to get better. So here's the math. How much money must you earn the rest of the year to meet or exceed your goals? Some of you are on track, some of you are behind, and some of you are ahead. Figure out what it means to you personally. 
start with your basic monthly overhead, look at your goals from five areas of life when you did your treasure map, figure out an actual dollar amount. Don't say more. Don't say feels like about $12,000. Don't guesstimate. And, and don't guesstimate high. Some of you guys think you're not meeting or exceeding your goals unless the number sounds really impressive. Well, it better be 100 grand because Bob next to me did that. No, this is personal. This is for you. How much money must you earn the rest of the year to meet or exceed your goals? An actual dollar figure. Now, how many listings in your current inventory will sell and close by year's end? Now, this is a little bit speculation because this assumes that you know their motivation, their time frame, that you've got them priced right, and that they're not going to take a break. So maybe you've got 10 listings and you can count on six selling and closing by the end of the year. Maybe that number is really four because after you talk to them, you find out they're planning on taking, you know, from Halloween until the end of the year as a break. But you can fairly well guesstimate how many listings in your current inventory will sell and close by the end of the year. If you're not sure, it's probably because you haven't been doing your weekly seller calls. And that's a different podcast, and we cover that in Premier Coaching as well. So then we move on to buyers, which is even more speculative, but how many buyers can you, I put in parentheses, mostly count on because no buyer actually has to buy in the same way that a listing has to sell. But let's say you've got some motivated people. How many of your buyers can you count on closing before the end of the year? Now, there may be a caveat to that. Some of you guys are still complaining you can't find anything for them. So is the reason they're not in contract because of you not finding something? It, maybe you've got people who are totally motivated and qualified, and it's up to you. There's a little accountability in that question, too. So how many buyers can you mostly count on closing before the end of the year? Okay, now, what do you have pending? So these are three numbers, listings, buyers, and pendings. What do you already have pending, which will close by year's end? Now, after you've got those three accurate numbers figured out, as accurately as you can, add those three numbers together, and then subtract that from the amount needed to meet or exceed your financial goals, and you'll find the deficit. This is a really critical thing that we do with coaching clients because oftentimes the amount of money that you need the rest of the year can be a little intimidating until you figure out what you've already got in your pipeline. Some of you might not have a great pipeline right now, and that's where the work needs to happen. But many of you, when we do this exercise, you feel relieved because you go, all right, well, this is what I need. And I know I've got these great listings that have to sell. And this one's already talking to me about reducing price. And I got these buyers, maybe some of them are relocating executives that will be homeless if you don't find them something. Okay, well, I can account for them closing. And then I got all these pendings that are in contract. Add all that up and take it away from what you need and it gives you a real number to work on. Not knowing that number virtually ensures that you won't hit it. You can't pursue an unknown goal, right? So once you know how much money you need, you're going to divide that by your average net commission, and you'll see how many deals you must create in order to get to your goal. Did that math make sense, Tim? Yeah, it did. And we're going to post this on uh, – Julie, uh, please ask the media guys yes. to post that on the podcast, or I'm sorry, on timandjulieharris.com under today's podcast gotcha. so they can use this as a fill-in. Yeah. Yep. So, I it. mean, there you go. So move, move forward. I think we still have a little bit of time. Yes. One more point. Well, so the main thing is figure out real numbers and don't guesstimate because it's a lot easier to hit those numbers. If You know, at the top of this exercise, you might have thought that you needed to do 12 deals to get there, but when you account for your pipeline, maybe you really only need to come up with five or six new deals. That's a lot more doable than looking at that larger number. So there's some rules that go along with this. 
Point number one, these are action steps. Decide what schedule must you follow on the work days, remember you already figured out what your work days are, in order to meet or exceed your goals for the final stretch. Now, stick to the things that drive your business. And here's the list. We have a reason for this list on virtually every podcast, so you guys should all have it memorized. Lead generation, lead follow-up, pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, and closing. I like to add lather, rinse, repeat. But if it's not on that list, particularly fourth quarter, you should not be doing it. So decide on your schedule for work days and follow it. And there's a lot of help uh, doing this in both the Real Estate Treasure Map as well as the Harris Rules book. So, and of course, Premier Coaching. Point number two, commit to being at work when you're at work and being at play when you're at play. Work days are precious during fourth quarter as we've already demonstrated. So keep your priorities to appointment setting, listings taken, buyers put in contract, price reductions and extensions if necessary. Use the real estate success game to stay on track, especially our premier coaching members, you know what we're talking about here, to track that you are actually doing the things that lead to profit. All right, speaking of tracking, point number three, track your numbers daily. When you do it daily, you're going to see what are you doing well at and what are you falling down on. So if you're falling short on closed appointments, you'll need to up your number of contacts. You might need to change the type of contacts and you might need to upgrade your scripting. Look at the success game to see what else you can be doing to take action. But remember that it's normal this time of year to go on more appointments, do more follow-up, and require a higher level of focus to get to the same results. It's not unusual that you'll be chasing people a little bit harder. They're busy like you are. Maybe normally it takes you three follow-ups to close on a listing appointment. It might take five. Don't give up. But do track your numbers daily. Point number four. Okay, this is a big one, and you're not maybe seeing it yet, because for most of you it's still warm and summery feeling, but as the season starts to turn, point number four, it's okay if you're the only one in the office. That's great. <laughs> I love getting those pictures posted on Facebook. I remember those from last year where our uh, listeners were pulling up to their uh, broker's offices, and they took a picture of their car being the only one there. And then it was like noon, and they took a picture that they're the only one actually on the phone. So we like those pictures. That's great. It means there's more business for you with less competition. This is a fantastic time to do the following. Point A, reach out to at least five past clients or people in your center of influence daily. B, cherry pick the best expired and unrepresented sellers, otherwise known as FISBOs. C, market when nobody else uh, <clears throat> excuse me, does. And D, work your open house and coming soon strategies when no one else is. And E, follow up to set more appointments than you thought possible this quarter. If you're the only one in the office, that's fantastic. That means you're the only one making those contacts and setting those appointments. So, Tim, I have to get over to Premier Coaching, and maybe we save some of these points for tomorrow's show. Sure. There's plenty Good of tomorrow. action items and plenty of math for them to do. So I'll let you wrap the call. So I told you guys at the top of the call about Lena, who basically has been ebbing and flowing with her prospecting and started making some calls over the last few days and where her ratios were. And I also told you that she didn't have any competitors. Nobody else was calling, but there were tons of agents dropping crap off. So here's why that should motivate you, because your market's the exact same. This year, probably more so than the past, maybe seven to ten years, agents are going to be essentially taking themselves out of the business earlier than they have in the past. So you're going to see lots and lots of expireds with no agents competing for those appointments. How long are you going to take to professionally wrap your mind around that everything you've been looking for 
personally and probably professionally as on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. I said something on um, the last podcast we did, which I think was kind of interesting because I got a lot of people emailing me about it, is that if you ever look at anything you've experienced in your life that you would label a mistake or something that was disappointing, anything like that, nine times out of ten, if you really ask yourself why it is or what went into the decision-making process to make the decision to do that thing that you now see as a mistake, I guarantee you it was because you were looking for the easy path. You were looking for a shortcut. You were looking not to have to do real work. You were looking to basically figure out some way to game, to hack, to do all these other, you know, sort of what people have now have deemed to be normal, i.e. lazy behaviors in, in life. And guys, at the end of the day, when you're out and about and you're the only person that's in good shape and you're the only person that you know, basically has their financial house in order, when you're the only person that doesn't really give a shit whether the economy goes into recession or not, hopes it doesn't, but if it does, it does because you, you're prepared for whatever might happen, when you become that only person in your real estate brokerage who really doesn't care whether or not it's a seller's market or buyer's market, who doesn't care what Zillow's charging for buyer leads, who doesn't want to hear a bunch of BS about building teams and logos and brands because you have a business that's duplicatable, you have a business that's predictable, you have a business that's producing consistent revenue and consistent profit because you're the agent who's actually did you know, what you didn't want to do when you didn't want to do it at the highest level, and now you're getting the benefits from it. There is still time this year for you to work into that mindset and that discipline and, frankly, that lifestyle if you are willing to actually drill down. And, guys, look, we're here for you. We'll have your backs. We've helped literally tens of thousands of agents on this journey away from sort of the insanity that's become the real estate industry into a, the, you know, guys, you guys are returning. Some of you guys are returning from having spent so much time building teams and so much time uh, doing all this Internet stuff and so much time doing all this other gimmicky stuff. And you're coming back to us and you're saying, Tim, I should have listened to you in the first place. And, yeah, you're right, you should have. You would have saved yourself lots of time, lots of anguish, lots of stress. The other thing you would have been able to do is build a lot more net worth for yourself, but you decided to go for the easy button. You decided, let's just talk about the team thing for two seconds. The team thing, guys, is one of the worst things to ever be taught to real estate practitioners, full stop. Now, do you need assistance to scale your business? Of course you do. Three or four on your staff, and when your, staff, when your business is totally focused on taking listings, it's perfect. As soon as you go beyond that, you're entering into the insane realm of buyer's agents and buying buyer leads and all this other Mickey Mouse, and you are totally susceptible to the ebbs and flows of what your business costs to run. As soon as the market slows down, as soon as the economy slows down, of course you're going to essentially fail. There's very few teams that are going to be able to weather any kind of financial setbacks. How do I know this? Because it's happened before. The first setback in our real estate career was in the 90s and then the early 2000s and this one that was about 10 years ago and we're about to enter into and a lot of you are already in it. So you know what I'm talking about. And if your business, if your team, if your brokerage was predicated on buyer leads and buying buyer leads, how are you going to survive when the market becomes a buyer's market? doesn't make sense, guys. So come on. While there's still time, realize that the only path forward for you is to build a business where you have 50% profit margins, where you're not just basically in this you know, insane hamster wheel buying buyer leads for a bunch of buyer's agents, where you're actually going to learn how to master the skills of being a listing agent. Then you're free because then you can just focus on basically taking listings. 
yeah, you're not going to get a lot of attention in the real estate ego world. You're not your plaques and your awards. You might not even be the number one agent in your marketplace anymore by units or even dollar volume, but you're going to be the number one agent in your own world because you're going to actually be running an insanely profitable business. The fact is, is that most of these teams out there, and this is a, I'm, I have a conversation floating around in my head, obviously, from somebody who uh, I talked with this morning, who said they're going to spend some time over the next, over the rest of the year, work on their team, and I asked what that meant, and they didn't really have an answer, but they just came back from a Keller Williams mega camp, so they had it all filled in their head that that was the only way forward for them, and this person only had three listings. And they thought the best and highest use of their time was adding a bunch of buyer agents and starting to buy buyer leads. They thought that that was actually a sane way of building a business. And I asked them, have you ever looked at the business models? Have you ever looked at the money you make from that? Have you ever actually done a, a, sort of the business analysis, even a low-level one, on those models? And they said, well, no, but after all, so-and-so said for me to do it, or I came from a conference where there's all these people doing it. Okay, so you've never actually taken the time to look at a profit and loss statement, to do the math, to think it through. And, and look, let's be honest, not, a lot, not all of you have the skill set to do it. And I'm not being condescending, I'm just being honest. So if you don't, ask your accountant to help you or just listen to what I'm telling you. There is a huge surge of uh, people who have been very successful with real estate teams in the country, who are essentially finding the truth about how unprofitable those business models are. And there is a huge number of these people that are going to start becoming very vocal because they feel like they were lied to following this primrose path of forming a team. And what are they, what are they doing? They are actually getting rid of all their buyer-side transactions, referring those out to independent agents, and they're actually stepping back into production themselves and focusing on listings. Get your listing inventory up to whatever your real estate magic number is. It's a Harris term. And then you don't have to deal with all the Mickey Mouse that's become so normal in the real estate business. Stop looking for the latest and greatest ideas. Stop looking for the greatest gimmick or the most clever Facebook ad or all these other things that you guys are, have come to know as normal. It's not if you want to build a business that's basically predicated on you making lots of profit and with that profit you reinvest it and you can actually then be rich because you have money that's working for you and you no longer have to work for your money. So listen, guys, we're going to pick up where we left off today, tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.